0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Cobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. John chapter 4, it has been good to have my mother with us and my three sisters. They don't go to church a lot and I was glad to have them. Two of them just got out of prison, and I thank God for that. And uh, they were in the iron and steel business. One irons and the other one steals. But it is so good. We rode around today to see all the sights. It took five minutes, and we were so blessed. (laughs) Uh, Living in Atlanta for all these years, uh, when you say, I got to go to the store, that means four hours later you may be back. But If you travel four hours around here, you'll be in Washington, D.C. But we had a wonderful time, and I love your pastor. And I ought to just retire and move to Roanoke Rapids and let him be my pastor. Except that don't pay nothing. And I got and, but I appreciate it. Thank you for praying for us through our ordeal. I really do appreciate it. I went to the doctor right before this meeting uh, to get a follow-up. And he said, listen, man, you're not normal and you'll never be normal. I went into it. My wife, Julie, said, what did he say? He said, I wasn't normal. She said, I could have told you that and saved us (laughs) $10,000. But all you ladies that criticize your husband, you married him. Takes one to know one. Ain't we having fun tonight? (laughs) But I do thank you for praying for us. It was a, a difficult time for our church as well but they were very kind to me I went eight weeks and never even preached to them and uh, they paid my salary they took care of me and I loved that church for years all my friends have been trying to get me to go on evangelism I preached every night of my life I don't know how you know how busy I could have got they said you need to go full-time I'm like David Ring. One more invitation, and I'll go full time. And uh, but everybody's been trying to get me to leave the church. But I'll tell you, when I sat there for those 12 weeks, boy, I'm glad I didn't leave. Say amen right there. And I love those people, and they're dear to me, brother uh, Brian over here, uh, A.K.A. Pinky, and he's our video guy, one of our trustees, and uh, Joseph, his sons, out at Golden State, maybe. Brother Treber will make a preacher out of him. I tried. And we've been sending his picture to the Lonely Hearts Club. One lady sent it back and she said, I'm not that lonely. But we're excited what God's going to do in his life. And I love you. Thank you for letting me come. Before I read my scripture tonight, I want to publicly thank your pastor for something. Many people would not have done this week what you've allowed me to do come Monday night, go fishing Tuesday night, come back to church on Wednesday night, and I appreciate it. But what not a wonderful message that my dear brother brought last night? And I was hoping he was gonna enlarge on them cats, about the best cats, a dead cat, and all that other kind. But you better be careful making fun of people's animals in this day, because they'll whoop you over that poodle dog, you hear me? But I love Brother Lou, and I'm thankful for him. But thank you for working this out for us. God bless you. And if you love your preacher, say amen. Amen. If you love his wife even more, say amen, amen. Amen. And if you love all them little kids, say, well, glory. I love to be around them. God bless you. God is good. I'm getting sentimental, and I really want to cry. I'm just glad to have a new lease on life. And I want to share with you a message that God gave me through all of that. John's gospel, chapter number four. And uh, my therapist will ask me next week, did you preach 35 minutes? Well, yeah, I preached 35 minutes. We're not going to say how much beyond that, praise the Lord. But John's gospel, chapter number four, and verse number 46. John chapter number 4 and verse number 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. There was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus said unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. In other words, Jesus was preaching to those sign-seeking Jews. They wouldn't believe it, except they could see it. But can I remind you tonight, if you see it before it happens, it's not faith. If you see it before it happens, it's not faith. I got tickled to death the other night. One of my buddies called me. He said, you know, we've been needing a new building. And we're going to step out on faith, Brother Joe. He said, the, billion, the, 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 the building's going to cost $4 million, And we only have 300 and, uh, and a half million in the bank. We're going to trust God for the 500000 that's left. Well, that ain't a whole lot of faith. I wished I'd have had four million when we built what we did. I'm just saying if you gotta see it to believe it, that's not real faith. Faith is believing it. I'm feeling good about this now. Faith is believing it whether you see it or not. And he said, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And watch verse 49. The nobleman saith unto him, sir, come down ere my child die. And Jesus said unto him in verse number 50, Go thy way. What a reply. Jesus come to my house. And Jesus said, go thy way. And Jesus didn't go with him. Jesus didn't go down to that house. He told that man, go thy way, say this word out loud with me, thy son liveth. Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him and went his way. He didn't see it, but he believed. Because, brother, when God said it, that settles it, whether we believe it or not. And he went his way. Verse number 51, and as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, I love this, thy son liveth. Then he inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And so the father knew, well, glory. So the father knew, well, glory. Well, glory is not in that passage, but I got to say it. So the father knew, well, glory. So the father knew that it was at the same hour. In which Jesus had said unto him, thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. He believed, and his whole house believed. And in the margin of most study Bibles, this is called the miracle of the healing of the nobleman's son. But in reality, it is not just the miracle of the healing of the nobleman's son. It is the miracle of the power of faith. And the miracle of the power of the spoken word of God when somebody puts faith in it. It is the miracle of the power of faith in the spoken word of God of God. In fact, tonight, the greatest of all miracles is salvation. And that didn't happen when you got baptized. That didn't happen when you joined the church. That didn't happen when you got the wafer on your tongue. Brother, that happened when by faith you believed the spoken word of God. Here's the power of faith and God's spoken word and God did the impossible. I wanna share with you a personal experience and then I'll preach the Bible. I'm better than some friends of mine, they'll share a personal experience and never get back to the Bible. March the 11th, I'm sitting at a doctor's office. I think I have stress. That's what's wrong with everybody. Everybody has stress. And I'm expecting the doctor to tell me, take a few weeks off and you will be blessed. That doctor looked at me and said, son, you have two polyps on your vocal cords and I need to surgically remove them. I said, will you be using a knife? He said, yes. And brother, and he said, you need to clear about 10 to 12 weeks off of your schedule. He said, now we'll, and I was doing pretty good till he said this, now we'll check them for cancer. And brother, when he said that word cancer, 12 weeks of no preaching, buddy, I died in that chair. I mean, brother, I've never had such fear in all my life. Now don't you come up here and tell me tonight, now brother Joe, what you had was minor surgery the only people that have minor surgeries are those that have never had any kind of surgery. <laughs> Bubba, you come after me with a knife, there's nothing minor about it. About like that boy, he was getting ready to have surgery, and he was so nervous. The surgeon came in and said, son, don't be nervous. He said, well, doc, I can't help it. I've never had an operation before. And the doctor said, well, I ain't ever done one before. You don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> and brother, for two weeks, I prepared to go into this surgery. March the 13th, I sat at my desk in my date book and canceled 37 speaking engagements in just a few moments. I, I had a meeting with my staff and my leaders at the church. I called my wife and my children. They said, that's a possibility we could cut your vocal cords and you won't be able to speak. You may have preached your last sermon. We do not know. And I'm telling you, every negative thought in the world came to my mind. I I wished I could tell you tonight because a lot of you know me. In fact, some of you know more about me than I wished you did. But I wished I could come and tell you tonight that it was my great faith that brought me through this. I wished I could stand here and sell a DVD for $500 on what kind of faith in God that brought me through. But I'm telling you tonight, it was not my faith that brought me through this. I had fear. I had doubt. I had anxiety. I remember sitting in the parking lot of the barbershop. I thought, well, if this is it, I at least want to look good for the undertaker. And I know it looks funny when a bald headed man has a haircut, but you got to keep in what you got. And so I'm sitting in the parking lot and it's raining. And I hear this voice and it says, you're done, you're finished your life and your ministry is over. And I remember crying, saying, well, I guess this is how it ends. We go up there to the hospital, they take you to this prep room. That's where they prepare you for the gas chamber. And after the prep room, she said, now, sir, follow me. And I thought at least they're gonna push me in the wheel. I had to walk. I had to walk to my execution (laughs) and I remember walking down that hallway I felt like I was was walking uh, to death on death row and I remember laying on the bed and they put my head in this brace and this guy comes over with a mask and man they're washing their instruments I'm looking around going somebody knocked me out and I remember the last words coming out of my mouth was oh God Please have mercy upon me. I was scared to death. I had fear. I had doubt. I had, I'll be honest with you, I even believe I had some depression and some anxiety. I just don't understand why at not even 60 years old, I could never talk again, never preach again. Why did it end this way? I've been preaching 300 nights a year for the last 35 years. That's what got me in that condition, preaching 300 nights a year. Like a wild man. Lord, everything I've held dear. I I saw my wife with food stamps. I saw her in a cheese line. I saw her repossessing her fur coat. I'm just kidding, but I saw the house being repossessed. I saw somebody putting, I saw Jeremy Colbert putting up a a GoFundMe page. Joe kicked a bucket. Somebody helped Julie pay to put that. (laughs) Would you do that for her? God bless you. You're a real friend. And I'm telling you, I was at rock bottom. And I wish I could tell you it was my great faith I'd be lying to you. But I got two phone calls that changed everything. Two days before my surgery, I got a phone call from a man named Neil Jackson. Neil Jackson's grandfather is Mays Jackson, the man that recommended me to the church where I've been for the last 38 years. He called, he said, Joe, I've heard about what's going on. I want you to know I love you. And, I'm, and we at Bueller are, are praying for you. And he sensed the fear, he sensed the apprehension in my voice and he says, I know you ain't got no faith. (laughs) And he said, you don't need any faith. He says, borrow mine. He said, I've prayed about this and God's told me you're going to live. You're going to preach again. God's not done with you. So if you don't have any faith, borrow mine. And he says, before you tell me I'm unscriptural, he said in the gospel of Mark, when them four men brought that crippled man to Jesus and led him down by in the roof by the ropes, the Bible said when Jesus saw their faith, he said, borrow mine. Everything's gonna be all right. He hung up. My phone rang again. It was a dear friend of mine from Marstown, Tennessee, Ron Martin. His sister is Kyla Faye Rowland. You guys sang two of her songs in this service tonight. I rest my case and God saves old sinners. And her brother Ron has been a dear friend of mine for 40 years He called me. If you've ever talked to anybody from Morristown, Tennessee, they make us Roanoke Rapids people look like we're lawyers from New York City. (laughs) He said, Joe, they stretch it out. He said, Joe, I heard about what you've got to go through. His wife is named Aquila. He said, Aquila wanted me to call and give you a message. And I said, what is it, Ron? She said, call Joe and tell him that I have prayed for him one time and I ain't a praying no more. I said, do what? She said, call Joe Ron and tell him I prayed about it one time and there's no need to pray again because when I prayed that first time, God said, that boy's gonna live, that boy's gonna have a ministry, that boy's gonna preach again and there's no need to bother God three or four times. He done said it, it's done. And you're looking at a man tonight that's here. Not because of my great faith, but I hitchhiked a ride on the faith of others. And that is exactly what the young man in this text does. This young man that is sick unto death, it doesn't say he has faith at all. It, in fact, matter it doesn't even say that he asked his father to go get Jesus. But this father had the faith. This father had the confidence that if he could get to Jesus, that Jesus could do for him and his son what he cannot do. I wonder tonight who it is in your life that needs a miracle from God that can ride the wings of your faith. I wonder what family member in your family that needs to get right with God, that needs to get saved, that needs to have a turnaround, that can have the miracle of salvation tonight riding on the wings of your faith. I believe tonight that faith moves the heart and the hand of Almighty God. And so you have this father. The Bible said he is a nobleman. Brother Jeremy, I looked up the word nobleman and it means connected to a king. I think I'll knock the back end of my choir robe out right there. You know who I'm looking at tonight? A bunch of noblemans. You say, where do you find nobleman in Halifax County? Right here in this room. You say who, all right, you help me. Anybody here tonight been to Calvary, washed in the blood, born of the Holy Ghost of God, and your name's on the roll and your foot's on the rock and you're heaven bound with the hammer down, raise your hand real high, hold it up real high, look around, you're looking at nobleman. You say, how is that? I'm connected to a king. And I'm glad my connection to the king of kings and lord of lords is able to do the impossible. I want you to see some things tonight about the faith of this father. And how his son rode the wings of his faith. Think with me this tonight, three realms in this text. You say them with me. Number one, to Jesus. Say that with me, to Jesus. Say that with me one more time. To Jesus. Secondly, tonight, say this one. From Jesus. Say that with me now. From Jesus. One more time, say it with me. From Jesus. Number three. For Jesus. Say that with me. For Jesus. One more time. For Jesus. The Bible said in this text that he goes to Jesus. His need pushed him to Jesus. His need pushed him to Jesus. You say, well, what is so significant about that? Well, there's a lot of people that had some needs, but their needs pushed them to the devil. Their needs push them to the world. Their needs push them to dope and liquor and all kinds of sin. But can I tell you, the miracle is not in the bottle of pills. The miracle is not in the the marijuana joint. The miracle is not in the suds of the beer and the wine and the liquor. Oh, the miracle is not staying away from church the miracle is not getting bitter upon God. The miracle is not forsaking the word of God. The miracle is not sulking in your own defeat. The miracle only comes when we go to Jesus. Oh, tonight may our needs and our and our problems and our storms and our troubles and our afflictions, may it push us to Jesus. May it push us to Jesus. And I want to just stop and say tonight, aren't you glad you've got somebody to run to and go to in the time of adversity in our life? I said this the other day to some people I was counseling. It pays to serve God. She said, now wait a minute, Brother Joe. We tithe. We go to church. We win souls. We live a separated life, but yet look at what's happened to our home and our family and our children. Look look at all of the, uh, the adversity that we've gone through. I said, let me tell you something. Being saved and being a child of God don't isolate us. It doesn't insulate us and it does not exempt us from the maladies and the storms and the afflictions. You say, well, Brother Joe, if serving God doesn't keep trouble from coming into our life, then why do we want to serve God? I'm glad you brought that up because it gives us an altar. It gives us a refuge. It gives us a shepherd. It gives us somebody to run to until the storm passes by. Brother, like it or not, feel it or not, explain it or not, I'm glad standing somewhere in the shadows you will find Jesus and may our need push us to to Jesus, he's a nobleman. That means he works for Herod the king. He either works for Herod the king or he is either some kin to Herod because he is a nobleman. But he realizes that old King Herod is not enough. He realizes his family genealogy is not enough. Here's a man that's religious Here's a man that's morally upstanding in his community, but he realizes his morals and his religion is not enough. Here's a man that has servants. Here's a man that has a farm. Here's a man that has money. Here's a man that has possessions, but his money is not enough. Think about it like this tonight. His religion is not enough, his resources are not enough, and his relationships is not enough. There is a need beyond even King's, Herod's ability to meet. There is a need beyond his morality to manufacture there's a need beyond his financial pockets. In other words, he can't buy what he needs. He doesn't deserve what he needs. He cannot merit or earn what he needs. He is in an hour of desperation. That little boy of his is at the point of death. That means the very next breath may be his last. The next second that ticks off of the clock may be his last. Brother, his desperation drove him to Jesus. His problems pushed him to Jesus. When his money run out, when his politics ran out, when all of his connections run out, oh, when his relationships run out, when his possessions run out, Jesus never runs out. Can I tell my friends in the double R tonight, when your money's not enough, and your ego's not enough, and your connections are not enough, faith is always enough, and God is not always enough. He's more more than always and Pushed him to Jesus. Pushed him to Jesus. His need pushed him to Jesus. Number two. His faith prompted a miracle from Jesus. Say that with me. From Jesus. He got what he went after. Now, I did a little study on the Google Maps today. Can you imagine a preacher that's been dead for 40 years hearing another man say, I Googled it? (laughs) But I did a little study today. From where Jesus was in Cana to where this nobleman's son was in Capernaum, sick, It was approximately 16 to 17, depending on the terrain, they say about 20 miles. 20 miles. I looked this up. Depending on the health of the traveler, uh, whether he's fat or skinny, whether he's in good health, it takes the average person six to eight hours, six to eight hours to walk 20 miles. Your pastor and I did another Google survey in the office. As far as we can tell, over yonder, 17 miles is the big metropolitan city of Emporia, Virginia. Uh, 20 miles in one direction is the big city of Enfield. So just imagine leaving in the morning some of you hadn't walked past the refrigerator in a long time. But can you imagine getting up in the morning and walking to you? Walking the infield. You say, what would make a man walk that far? He's got a little sum that's sick unto death the doctors have tried it the politicians have tried it the medicine has tried it money has run out but he's heard about that miracle working Jesus the son of the living God he's eight hours away and he's 20 miles away I may have to climb a hill I may have to cross a desert I may have to swim an ocean but if I can get to where Jesus is and get a hold of Jesus he'll make the difference in my life it in the life of my son and so for six to eight hours twenty miles he has made that journey and he goes up to where Jesus is and says I need you to come I need you to come to my home now remember now that's another twenty miles that's another six to eight hour journey I need you to come to my home and heal this little boy. And I want to say Jesus could have made the 20-mile journey, walked him there, and touched that boy like he did that leper tonight. But honey, when God showed me this, I had to clean me off a place and have me a hallelujah spell. Now the Bible says... The boy is at the point of death. That means every single second counts. How many times have you heard as a pastor, one of your members gets sick and they rush them to the hospital and the doctor said, if you could have got here sooner, we may could have saved their life. One of our deacons one time went to the hospital and the doctor said, man, if you'd have been five minutes later, you wouldn't have made it. Brother, when somebody's at the point of death, every second matters. So if this boy is at the point of death and every second matters... He's just got enough faith in Jesus that if it takes another 20 miles and another six to eight hours, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it seems like. He said, Lord, I know he's at the point of death and every second matters and it's an eight-hour journey back to my house but I just got enough faith in you. Nothing's too hard, nothing's too big, nothing's too long and I come to tell you tonight when it looks too high, when it looks too deep, when it looks too wide, standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find a Jesus who's able to exceeding and abundant above all that we ask or think. How many here and you're a parent and you still have your right mind? How many are a grandparent? You know what grandkids are? That's God's reward for you not killing your own. (laughs) Can I get a witness and a double R? You know that was a word. My son understood it. He could pronounce it. He could spell it. But my daughter, and it's nothing about the name. Her name was Joanna, but it's it's not the name. It doesn't go along with the name. You understand that? There are some sane Joannas. There are some good Joannas. One of them's right here. But I had the insane Joanna she could not pronounce, she could not spell, and she did not know the definition of a little simple word, no. I found out Joanna doesn't want my opinion. She wanted my approval. And I want to say that Joanna is just like her mother she is the spitting image of her mother you're going to kill me I'll straighten it out she is her daddy in a female version <laughs> Joanna don't want it tomorrow she wants it now don't tell me no I, 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 I love that why what well, wasn't it wonderful the first time as a parent you could look at one of them nodheads and say, "Cause I said so." <laughs> Boy, didn't that feel good? How many of your mama and daddy didn't have no problem telling you no? They could say it, write it, spell it in twelve languages. You know what Jesus said to this man in so many words? No. He said, "Come, let's go, Jesus." He's at the point of death. Help me, Joseph. He's at the point of death, Jesus. We got to go. We got six hours to go. Hope you can keep up with me. We got six hours to go. We got six hours to go. And that boy ain't got but a couple of seconds. Come on, Jesus. We got to go. Jesus said, Son, when I say no, I'm about to run right here, baby. When Jesus says no, Hang on. He's got her better, yes. Jesus said, no, I ain't going with you. I don't need to go with you. Amen. Mr. Nobleman, think about your situation. Think about it. You just told me that boy is at the point of death. Every second matters, and the best means you can do hoofing it is six to eight hours. So instead of me doing it, somebody hold my baby while I shout. Mr. Nobleman, instead of doing it your way, now sir, it ain't nothing wrong with your way. I mean, don't you admire anybody that can walk eight hours? How many of you tonight are envious of anybody that can walk for 30 seconds? <laughs> Your dad rides that bike 100 miles. It's awesome. And he does it to intimidate fat people like me. <laughs> he'll see me, he'll say, Brother Arthur, that vest's a little tight, ain't it? And I said, Brother Brown, that's not a vest, it's a potholder. <laughs> it's a male girdle. And you people that sit on the front row be careful because if I get to breathing and that belly pushes that button, it could put your eye. (laughs) Anybody admire anybody that'll walk for eight hours to Jesus? Do you admire anybody that'll walk 20 miles on behalf of one of their babies? But Jesus said, there's nothing wrong with your way. It's a noble thing to come to me. It's a noble thing to walk eight hours. It's a noble thing to trek a 20-mile journey. But Jesus said, boy, if he's really at the point of death and every second matters, I got a better plan. I got a better plan. I got a better way. Instead of taking six more hours to get her done, let's just get her done right now. Go thy way, thy son liveth. Anybody here can count? Anybody here can count? You count how many seconds it takes me to say this. You ready? Start. Go thy way, thy son liveth. Three seconds. Let's do it one more time. You ready? Ready? That depends on where you're from. If you're from New York, go thy way thy son liveth. If you're from Weldon, go thy way thy son liveth. <laughs> Whoo! I can't pick it. Everybody I preach to like this. Think about it. Time me, brother. Go thy way thy son liveth. Three seconds. You say three. I take the word of a blonde headed girl any time. Three, can you count to three? One, two, three. All right, here he is. Come, come on, Jesus. It's eight hours. It's eight hours. But if we start right now, we can make it. I got enough faith in you that he'll hold on for eight more hours. Come on, Jesus. We can make it in six to eight hours. Jesus said, i tell you what, I, I got a better plan. Instead of taking eight hours or 20 miles, just let me take care of it with one word and three seconds flat. Go thy way, thy son liveth. Go thy way, thy son liveth. And he finds out, somebody holler glory right there. And he finds out in the next verse, hallelujah, that the very hour that Jesus whew, can I come back tomorrow night? I want to go to Lake Walker. Mar. Oh is there anybody here tonight got enough faith to believe? How many believe God can do it in eight hours? How many believe God can do it in six hours? How many believes 20 miles is no big deal for God? while he's already walked from the stairway of heaven to a manger in Bethlehem. But I want you to kick your faith tonight in overdrive. He cannot only do it in six hours, in eight hours, in 20 miles. He can do it in three seconds flat through the power of the spoken word. If God said it, that settles it, believe it and step out and claim your miracles. Glory to God. His need pushed him to Jesus. His faith prompted a miracle from Jesus. Now, you know, in that day in the New Testament, they didn't keep time like we did. You teenagers would have loved it. No, you old timers would have loved it. Because at six o'clock in the evening, that started the next day. I told Julie the other day, it don't matter what time we started, she was going to be late. If I get to plan her funeral, and I don't want to, but I really don't want her planning mine either. I told her, I said, on the way to the cemetery, we're going through the Chick-fil-A and make it 30 minutes late. He said, how bold are you to say that? She ain't here. And she don't know how to turn on the live stream. And ain't nobody in here going to flap her mouth. (laughs) Glory. Glory. I love what happened in our text. Three seconds flat, Jesus performed this miracle. And he didn't perform this miracle for this man for no other reason than what happened. The Bible said as he was going back to his house, let's say if he started out early that morning, it took him six hours. By the time he starts back, it's already into the next day. And they say approximately about seven or eight o'clock that night, he still hadn't quite made it back and he met his servants They knew where he was going. And they knew where to find him. And about seven or eight o'clock that evening, and by the way, it now was yesterday when Jesus performed the miracle. Those servants come up to him and say, he liveth. He liveth. Your son's alive. And he said, all right, what hour did the fever leave him? He said about the seventh hour. And so that old boy began to calculate. Mm Mm-hmm. It was that same hour when I heard Jesus say, my son liveth. I don't know how far him and them servants had to go till they got back to that house. But I don't believe they were going like this. Hallelujah. Ain't that amazing? No, son, I believe him and them servants is like glory, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. Son, it's bad to pull a fat boy around like that. Son, they huff foot it down to that house. He walks into that house, and I believe the first thing that boy said, Daddy, I'm alive. Daddy, I'm alive. And daddy starts telling the story. He says it to the son. He says it to the servants. He says it to his wife and his other family members. What Jesus did and the miracle of faith and the Bible said in our text tonight in verse number 50 that the father believed. That the father believed. But more than the father believed, his whole house believed. His whole house believed. Lord, have mercy. They didn't see Jesus. They didn't hear Jesus. They didn't go to Jesus. But they're riding on the wings of daddy's faith. Somebody help me right there now. He believed, the son believed, and the whole house believed. Why? Because his need pushed him to Jesus. His faith prompted a miracle from Jesus, but his miracle produced faith and fruit for Jesus. Other people were blessed and changed because of his faith. I've been preaching through John Son, it hit me. That's what the whole book of John is one big fruit basket. You remember in John 15, Jesus said, I want you to have fruit, much fruit, more fruit, and I want your fruit to remain. So follow the fruit. It starts in chapter number one where one man, Andrew, reaches one man, his brother, named Simon Peter. And what a blessing he became. I'm glad your faith can affect one. Come to chapter number four, our text, the first part of the chapter. That's where you have the woman, at the well, and when she gets a drink of living water and starts saying, come see a man. The Bible said the Samaritans, the whole city, turned out to see this man, and many of them believed. So one man, his faith affected an individual. That woman, her faith affected a whole city. Well, glory, I'm going somewhere. Our text, end of chapter four, this man's faith, his house. Everybody in his house, his wife, his children, his servants, his whole family got affected by his faith. So here one man, his faith affects one. That's pretty good, ain't it? How many you think if only one gets saved, that's awesome. But how many think it's even more awesome? If a whole city gets saved. That's awesome. But in our text, the whole family got saved. Man, how many thinks it's good if one person gets saved? How many thinks it's good if a whole city gets saved? How many thinks it's glory, glory, hallelujah, when your whole family gets saved? It gets better. John 11, Jesus says to a dead man, come forth, he came forth, and the Bible said many of the Jews believed on Jesus. A whole nation was affected. How many thinks it's awesome that one person can be saved? How many thinks it's awesome when a whole family can be saved? How many thinks it's awesome when a whole city can be saved? How many of you it's awesome and needed that a whole nation can be affected by somebody's faith? Amen. And, Pastor, just when I thought it couldn't get any better, I stepped in a sinkhole. And it dawned on me. Yeah, God wants to see that individual saved, but it's bigger. God wants to see that family saved. But it's bigger. God wants to see that city saved and that nation saved, but it's even bigger. Somebody yell at me, Tell me more, brother. Me more, brother. Can I quote some scriptures? John one twenty nine. Behold the Lamb of God. Whoop that taketh. Away, the sin of the world, Lord. Can I quote some more? John three sixteen. For God so loved the. John chapter number three, verse number thirty six. That the whole world. John chapter six, verse number thirty five. That He is the Savior of the. Hmm. John starts out with one person being affected by somebody's faith. Then a whole city is affected by somebody's faith. Then a whole family is affected by somebody's faith then a whole nation is affected they must not have been hyper calvinist and the whole nation is affected by somebody's faith but it's bigger than the one it's bigger than the family it's bigger than the city it's bigger than the nation Jesus wants the whole world to be affected by our faith You say, what was Capernaum compared to Jerusalem? Roanoke Rapids and Raleigh. And it didn't start in Jerusalem. He was over there in Capernaum. And one little fellow in a little sleepy village, his faith impacted others. You know what could happen right up here in the Lakewood Park community in Ronald Cranbourne, North Carolina, right now, tonight, at nine minutes past eight. The whole world can be impacted by your faith. You see, Jesus is going to demonstrate in the gospel of John how much power he had. Well, he's going to demonstrate he has power over deficiency. There's not any wine, so he makes it. There's no bread, so he provides it. Well, he will show he has power over disease, leprosy, blindness. Here's one American needs: dumbness. <laughs> he's going to show that he has power over demons. Whew. He's going to show in John 11, he he even has power over death. Glory. But in this text, he has more than power over deficiency and disease and demons and death. Watch it. He has power over distance. There's no demon too big for God. There's no disease too big for God. Death's not too big for God. Deficiency's not too big for God. And let me use some country, Georgia talk on you. And disease and distance ain't no big deal either. Because he can speak the word in one place. And the miracle happened 20 miles down the road glory let's come to the instruments come on to the instruments get us a song ready how many you ever flown a plane and it's been going like 500 miles an hour it just don't plop down on the ground it has to circle so I'm circling I'm not done I'm circling we're going to land this plane in a minute he said, Preacher, I got a lost loved one that's not even in this room tonight. Really? Distance ain't no big deal. But, Preacher, the doctor doesn't. But, 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 Preacher, the banker, it's. Uh, I'm just trying to tell you, that ain't no big deal. You say, but it looks too high. There's nothing out of the boundaries of God's divine ability. Listen, and we're done. All he's looking for, help me, Lord. All he's looking for is to let it break out on somebody's face. I'm glad God told Aquila Martin I was going to be all right. I'm glad God told Dale Jackson I was going to be all right. My wife even said, I think you're going to be all right. My daughter said, I hope you're going to be all right. And my boy, who's a modern-day alert, she said, no big deal, Dad. But me, I was so weak. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to believe. But I climbed on the train of somebody's faith. And I'm here tonight. May not be much, but having the time of my life. You say, I didn't enjoy it. You didn't have to. I enjoyed it enough for both of us. i telling you tonight, somebody... And get what they need to God on the wings of your faith. Why don't you let your faith touch an individual? Won't you let your faith touch a family? Won't you let your faith touch a city? Let it touch a nation. Let's just go and let our faith touch the world. He's looking for somebody that'll just believe him and go get it done. Are you willing tonight?